You know, we're really talking about balance and intentionality. So much of what we're doing in this series is talking about just balance, like just trying to balance our lives to where we're not just running crazy all the time. And, um, and we're talking about trying to be more, more intentional and more mindful. So it's not about adding a bunch of extra practices to our lives and adding a bunch more obligations and that kind of stuff, but just be more mindful of what we're doing and how busy we are and how rushed we are and how our attention's in other places and just, uh, which is, you know, Paul would call that trying to be in step with the Spirit, I think. You know, we're just trying to be more in step with the Spirit of God and, and what He's doing in our lives. And we've been looking at, at different practices. I've got a second one that we're going to look at today, but first, another test um, or self-evaluation. It's not really a test, okay? But I want to I put something on the screen. This is a, another one of those, like, you just evaluate where you are. I'm going to put this chart on the screen. Uh, hold on, i got to get my... So on the left-hand side is uh, restfulness, and on the right-hand side is relentlessness. And it's just a two list of words, and you can look through the list of words. Um, what I want you to do, and you're answering this quietly, so you don't have to get a piece of paper or anything like that. You're just kind of reflecting on your life right now. Based on where you're at right now in this particular season of life, do you resonate more with the words on the left or the words on the right and and this is for all areas of life I'm not talking about like based on your work life right now or based on your family life I'm talking about based on work family uh, sports schedules everything are you in a season of margin slowness quiet deep relationships gratitude contentment you know are you in that season right now or are you in a season of Byness, busyness is what that should say. Busyness, hurry, noise, isolation, discontentment, worry, anger, anxiety. You know, which, which one of those would, would best describe where you're at right now? And, and if you're on the left-hand side, if you're in a, it's just a season of restfulness for me right now. Embrace it. Like, enjoy that time. It's good. I've, I've had people, like, come up to me throughout this series and, like, you know, Hey, I appreciate some of what you're talking about, but I, some of it, I'm just not there. I mean, I, I just retired, and I'm kind of enjoying the slower life right now, and I'm just not there. I don't get it. Like, they're apologizing for being retired. Don't apologize. I mean, enjoy, embrace that season of life. If you're in a season of life where you're able to slow down more, enjoy it and embrace it because it's probably not going to last, but enjoy it and embrace it. If you're in a season of life where... Man, it just feels like everything's coming apart at the seams. It's like this relentless pursuit of more, and it's just the anxiety and the anger and the irritability and the hypersensitivity, and it just I, I just feel like I am burning it at both ends. Um, I've got some help today, or God has some help today, I should say. It's not my help. It's not my idea. I'm going to preach about something today that's not my idea. I, I stole it from God. Um, but there's an idea that God came up with, an ancient practice that a lot of us have probably forgot about, that if we could incorporate it into our lives, it would help us reduce the right side of that screen. It's a practice called Sabbath. And I want to take us through a history of the Sabbath. So if you got a Bible today, I'm going to have everything on the screen. So um, don't worry if you don't have a Bible with you today, but I want to encourage you to, to Use your Bible if you got it with you today because we're just going to go through a history of the Sabbath. And Sabbath is a, uh, comes from the Hebrew word uh, Shabbat, and it means to stop. 
And when we hear Sabbath, we always think rest, right? And that, that is what it means, to rest. But I like that literal definition of to stop. To, to take a Sabbath means to stop. To stop working, to stop activity, to, to stop activity, all this stuff. Just, just stop and cease. Matter of fact, it is more often the word in the King James Version. I couldn't find where it was in the other versions. But in the King James Version, it's more often translated as to cease than it is to rest. So this is, this is literally the idea of stopping. And I just want to take you through some of the main times that this was mentioned in the Bible. And so if we're going to talk about Sabbath, we know that the history of it goes all the way back to the beginning. The very, very beginning. It goes all the way back to the very first chapter of the Bible. And you've got the story of the six days of creation. And there's, you know, a lot of people believe that it's not six days, but it's six time periods and that kind of thing. It doesn't really matter for, for this teaching right here. Because in chapter 2, after the six days... At the end of every one of the days of creation, you'll read, there was morning and there was night the first day. There was morning and there was night the second day. There was morning and there was night the third day. But at the very end, starting at chapter 2, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. And by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. He stopped. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And uh, there's unique, what's unique about it, I think, is the idea that in this, ver in this day, all the other days it, it references like there was a beginning and an end. But in the seventh day, there's not really an end. And so some commentators believe that, that there's a theological point here that, that is being made that God is still at rest you know he has stopped the work of creation is done and he is at rest and he is inviting us into his rest that the Sabbath is kind of a foreshadowing of something that God is inviting us into God is inviting us into his rest because he now he's done the work of creating and he's inviting us into rest which is another way of saying he's inviting us into relationship and we still use that terminology when somebody passes we say may they rest in peace or or that they have entered God's rest and so it's this idea that that God is at rest and it's important because that's what the Sabbath is is going to be connected to and it's also going to be a foreshadowing of of the final rest so the first place you know so rest is is not only this idea of something that God did and something that God modeled for us there's there's not many of those things where we say, well, God clearly modeled this for us. It's something that God modeled for us, but he also commanded us to do or commanded the people of Israel to do. So the first place it's mentioned as a command is in Exodus chapter 20. So if you want to flip over one book over, a few chapters over in Exodus chapter 20 in the Ten Commandments. And these were given as the people of Israel left slavery and uh, went across the Red Sea, and they came to Mount Sinai where God was establishing a new covenant with his people known as the Sinai Covenant. And he gave them the Ten Commandments. And the fourth commandment was beginning in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So this is one of the only commandments, maybe the only commandment, that has a why 
connected to it. So it's not just a, you should rest, but you should rest and here's why. And uh, it's connected directly to the creation account because God blessed the Sabbath, the seventh day, made it holy. Seventh and Sabbath actually can equal the same thing. It's, it's the same concept we're talking about here. But there's two other uh, connections here. So it's not just a day of rest. It's also a day of worship because it says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And holy is a word that just means set apart. So you set apart the Sabbath day as this holy day. So it's, it's a time of worship and rest. And in a lot of ways, it's, it's a sign of the new covenant that God had made with his people here. In, this, in the law of Moses, one of the signs of the covenant is that they adhered to the moral law of God. And the moral law of God included the commandment to rest and worship. So the next time it's mentioned is a few books over in Deuteronomy. And this is the third time that we see the Sabbath surface. This is Deuteronomy chapter 5. Third time you see it, and it's the second time the Ten Commandments are given. But what's different is this is 40 years after the first time the Ten Commandments were given. So God gave the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, and he told them that they would enter a land of rest. They would enter the promised land. And so the people of Israel were going to the promised land. They were disobedient to God's commands, and so they ended up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. But after wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, they're camped across the Jordan River. They're preparing to enter uh, the promised land, and Moses decides that they need to hear the commands of God again. So there's a second reading here of the uh, Ten Commandments, and I'm going to read the fourth one again, which is is, uh, chapter 12. So Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12. It's the same commandment, mostly. There's something that's a little different in this expression of the commandment than than the first reading 40 years earlier in Exodus, so you'll hear it. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox or your donkey or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So it's the same command. Observe the Sabbath and keep it holy. There's a different why in Deuteronomy. The why in in Exodus is, well, because God rested. You know, in creation, God rested, and therefore you should observe the Sabbath and keep it holy. But here he says, the reason you should observe the Sabbath and keep it holy is because the Lord your God rescued you out of slavery. And so there's there's an aspect of social concern. It's in both commands. You just don't really... You don't really catch it in the Exodus version. There's an aspect of social concern here as well, that it's not just like, I need a day of rest. All you, all you guys get away from me and get out of here. I just need to be by myself for a little while. No, there's actually a community aspect to Sabbath as well. It's something you, you do together. There's rest and worship, and there's concern for each other because he changes the reason, at least in this uh, command, he changes the reason, the why. That yes, there's a creation, but also because of God's deliverance, we are commanded, or they were commanded, uh, to keep the Sabbath. Now, does that matter? Comer seems to think it does, and I want to I want to share just a little bit of what he says about it because he says it better than I can say it. Listen to this. In Exodus, the Sabbath command is grounded in the creation story. 
So in the rhythm that God built into the world, a rhythm we tap for emotional health and spiritual life, that's the reason the Sabbath. But in Deuteronomy, the command is grounded in the Exodus story, in Israel's freedom from slavery to Pharaoh and in his empire. And that's a whole other reason to Sabbath. Why the change? Well, this was the first generation to grow up in freedom. Their parents were slaves, and their grandparents and their great-grandparents, slaves to an empire that had been devouring human beings, one brick, one pyramid, one edifice at a time for centuries, an empire with an appetite so ravenous that they had to build store cities just to store all their extra stuff, an empire driven by a lust for more. And Egypt, like every empire since, was an economic system built on the backs of the oppressed. To get to the lavish, opulent luxury of a pharaoh, you need cheap labor. You need slaves grinding their bodies into the ground until there's nothing left but ash and dust. Slaves don't get a Sabbath. They don't even get a day off. They work all day, every day, until they die. Slaves are subhuman, a line item on a spreadsheet, bald and sold like a commodity, a means to whatever end the rich and powerful see bit. All that matters is the bottom line. And Egypt, my friends, is alive and well. We live in the thick of it. We live in a culture of more, a culture of gaping, unquenchable lust for everything. Lust for more food, more drink, more clothes, more devices, more apps, more things, more square footage, more experiences, more stamps on the passport, more. We have so much stuff we don't need that we, like Egypt, have built our own supply cities. We call them storage units. They're a $38 billion industry in the U.S., taking up 2.3 billion square feet, enough for every single American to have over seven square feet to themselves, meaning we could practically house our entire nation in our storage units. Pharaoh would love the good old U.S. of A. And what he's comparing, contrasting here is that in Deuteronomy, there was this this concern for others and he's he's contrasting God's way to Pharaoh's way God's way was different than Pharaoh's way God's calling for rest God's calling for less God's calling for simplicity God's calling for slow down Pharaoh's way is calling for all the opposite things and you could easily see how we could compare and contrast God's way to America's way because those two things are not synonymous I know that we've been taught to believe they're synonymous, you know, we're founded upon God's principles and all those kinds of things, but America has its own dark history connected to oppression and, and economic injustices and those things, and, and God's way is not America's way, and God, America's calling us to more, it's always calling us to more, advertisers call us to more, social media's calling us to more, uh, everything's calling us to more, politicians call us to more, and God's calling us in a different direction. So he, what he's given is another reason to observe Sabbath. Another reason to observe Sabbath is not just that, that it's a good rhythm for us to get into, but it's also kind of an act of resistance against the relentless pursuit of more. We can observe Sabbath because it's a way of pushing back against the culture, of swimming in a different direction than the culture is trying to push us to say, no, I, wanna, I, I need this time of rest. I need this time of focus to God on what's most important in my life. And so Sabbath, think of it as a rhythm, but also think of it as a resistance. Just don't think of it as an act of religion. Because this is where we messed up the Sabbath. And I use we generously here. But this is where the religious establishment messed up the Sabbath, was they took an act of resistance and a rhythm and turned it into act of religion. 
And it was used as a benchmark to measure the faithfulness of people. How well did they observe the Sabbath? And it was used as another check mark on the religious observance list. And it became, Sabbath became a burdensome obligation rather than a blessing for people. It became, as Amy talked about last week in our communion meditation, just like, this is just one more thing I gotta do. Really? I gotta rest? Goodness. I gotta, okay, let me add that to my to do list. I gotta rest. You know, it's just one more thing. It's just one more obligation. It's this burden that you're putting on my back. And then you're gonna judge me based on how well I'm resting or how well I'm not resting. And this is the thing that Jesus set out to correct. So back to the history lesson, you know, you got the old law and what was given. Well, Jesus comes along in uh, Matthew chapter 11, and Jesus says, that's not my way. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you what? Rest. He's talking largely about the Sabbath there, because the religious leaders of the time had taken what was meant for people's good and turned it into something bad. The, law, the entire law, they'd really done it with the entire law of Moses, but it's specifically, you can really notice it with the Sabbath. But they'd taken something good and, and turned it into something bad, and Jesus says, no, my way's different. Uh, come and learn from me, because my ways are not burdensome. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. We've looked at that one all three or four weeks of this series. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. I never paid attention to what comes right after Jesus says that. Right after Matthew records that in Matthew chapter 11, in chapter 12, he says... Let me give you an example. And he tells this story. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. So Jesus observed the Sabbath as a, any good Jewish rabbi would. And he's with his disciples, and his disciples are, are plucking grain. Well, what's the problem? Well, verse 2, when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what's unlawful on the Sabbath. How are they doing what's unlawful on the Sabbath? Did you hear anything in Deuteronomy or Exodus that said it was unlawful to pluck grains of head on the Sabbath? No, it just said you're supposed to not do any work on the Sabbath. But the Pharisees had come up with an entire list of what constituted work on the Sabbath. Because we can't just let people decide on their own what constitutes work and what constitutes rest. So they created this whole you know, list of obligations and said that actually constitutes work. So they accused Jesus of violating the Sabbath. And Jesus answered, haven't you read what David did when his, uh, he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priest. And Jesus is getting to the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law, which is something the religious leaders didn't like. Or haven't you read in the law that the priest on the Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you, there is something Greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And in Mark's version of the story, Mark chapter 2, he adds this teaching. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And it's mankind or humanity. So the Sabbath was made for humanity, not humanity for the Sabbath. And it's Jesus' way of telling uh, his disciples and the Pharisees that you, you've missed the whole point. You've missed the whole point. God has given you something that was intended to bless you, and you've turned it into just another religious practice. And you've turned it into to something legalistic, and you've missed the whole point. Don't you understand that God, the Sabbath wasn't, created as another burdensome obligation for you. The Sabbath was created for your good. It wasn't created to be something that you could track and measure and see how you stack up against the less faithful. 
It was intended as a time for rest. It was, it was created for you. It was intended to be something good for you. And then Jesus also recenters and says, who are you saying not observing the Sabbath correctly? I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I mean, it, 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 this all goes back to this idea, you know, the, the Old Testament, the law of Moses was a covenant for the people of Israel. And Jesus has now come as the fulfillment of that covenant. And so he's completely recentering himself as he is the Lord of the Sabbath. I mean, he, Jesus is the fulfillment of the, 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 the law. The old law was a shadow of the things to come. And the old practice of Sabbath was a shadow of this rest that is coming through Jesus. Because Jesus is ultimately going to be the fulfillment of this in the New Testament. And this is what Hebrews talks about. So let me show you one last place. Well, maybe second to last place. Hebrews chapter 4. If you flip all the way over there, that one's a little harder to find, even for me. Okay, there we go. Hebrews chapter 4. This is talking about this is where the Sabbath is moving. So it was this law in the Old Testament that was created. Jesus is kind of recentering it to remind them of why it was originally given and to remind them that he's the fulfillment of it. And Hebrews is a book that was written to talk about how the old law relates to the new law. And how Jesus is greater than Moses, and Jesus is now the great high priest. And in chapter 4, the writer of Hebrews talks about the Sabbath. And I don't have time to do all of it, but I just want to start in verse 9. And it says this. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. So see, all, all this is tied back together to the creation and all this. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Now, full disclosure. I started this history journey in Hebrews chapter 4 when I was studying this week. Because I was looking for a New Testament command that told us we needed to observe the Sabbath. Because I was preaching on the Sabbath and I needed a command from the New Testament that said, See, you need to observe the Sabbath. And I googled it and I found Hebrews chapter 4 verse 11. That's the wrong way to study the Bible. <laughs> I'll just go ahead and, and let you know from the outset because I had a conclusion in mind and then I was looking for a verse that fit the conclusion. That's the wrong way to study the Bible. That's called exegesis, not exegesis. But anyway, um, I landed on Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11. The problem was when I read the whole context of Hebrews chapter 4, I realized that the writer of Hebrews was not talking about Sabbath as a religious observance or Sabbath as you know, a seventh day or Sabbath as the day of rest. The writer of Hebrews seemed to be talking about Sabbath as this more eternal concept. He talked about Sabbath as like eternal rest, how Jesus is, Jesus is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. And he's inviting us into that. That's what got me back looking at all the history. Because I started wanting a command in the New Testament that says we're, we're supposed to observe the Sabbath. You know, that's, that's what we need. We're New Testament Christians. We need commands that tell us we're supposed to observe the Sabbath. And I ended up discovering there's not one. Now, I knew that already. But I just wanted to, I, you know, there's, there's not one. Because Hebrews is talking about something totally different. It's a Sabbath rest, but it's talking about more of this, the eternal rest that is coming for us. And how Jesus has become the Sabbath rest. Jesus is where we find our rest. And this fits what Jesus himself said in Matthew. Come to me, all who are weary laden, and you will find rest. We find our rest in Jesus. That's why we come to Jesus. And um, this was a pretty big deal in the New Testament. It was a pretty big deal, and there, there's a lot of controversy even today about whether or not Christians are commanded to observe the Sabbath, because I just read you from the Ten Commandments about, you know, you should, you should observe the Sabbath, and yet 
most of us don't observe the Sabbath, at least not in the way the Jewish believers observe the Sabbath. And so we ignore the Ten Commandments, and you know what's the whole idea behind this series. And uh, the answer, quite simply, is we're not because that was part of the old covenant that was given to the people of Israel, and we're under a new covenant, and we're under you know we're not under the law of Moses anymore. We're under the law of love or the law of Christ, and that's what Christ is calling us to. And this was a big deal in the New Testament church because. There were, at the beginning of the church, there were only Jewish believers. All Christians were Jewish at the beginning of the church. And then Paul began to, to teach to the Gentiles. And then the Gentiles started coming along, and the Jewish believers said, Wait a minute, they ain't observing the Sabbath. They should be observing the Sabbath, and they should be circumcised, and they should be following the kosher laws. And they should, like, there's a whole bunch of stuff they're not doing. If they want to be real Christians, then they need to do it like us. And Paul, in Acts chapter 15, in Romans chapter 14, uh, in Colossians chapter 2, he said, Don't judge anyone. About what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon, celebration, or a Sabbath day. I mean, Paul does something radical. He's like, again, he says, you guys missed the whole point of the Sabbath. This is not a religious test. This is not a, a test of fellowship or a test of salvation. Don't turn this into a religious act. This is something that was given for your good. So don't judge somebody. You know, so we, that, you know, they're not under obligation to observe the Sabbath. They're not under the law of Moses. They're under the law of Christ. Christ has fulfilled the Sabbath. So where does that leave us? And I know this, is, this, this sermon is a little different than most that I do because it's a little more heavy on the, the teaching side. Some of you are loving it and some of you are like, oh, just tell me a story. Um, but anyway, where does this leave us? Because I started, you know, as you go through the history, it's like, ooh, I'm not observing the Sabbath. This is a command I need to keep. And then by the time you come to the New Testament, you're like, no, I don't need to keep this. Okay, why are we talking about this again? You know, this, I'm, I'm good. I'm not under the obligation to observe the Sabbath. Well, we're not. But we are. <laughs> Here's the way I would explain it. It's not something I'm under obligation to do. But it is something that could be beneficial for me. The, the principle remains. What's the principle of the Sabbath? Why did God tell his people to, com to command his people to observe a Sabbath? Because he wanted to give them another religious obligation. No, he wanted them to rest. He wanted them to learn the rhythms of rest. He wanted them to push against the culture of more. And he wanted them to rest. And he wanted them to take a day and set it aside as holy. And remember what he had done for them. That principle remains. What, I'll, I'll let you read this quote right here. Because this Missy, I don't know how to say her last name. As followers of Jesus, God does not expect us to live by Israel's laws. However, the wisdom of these laws remains, and the law of the Sabbath is rich with significance for us today. Sabbath is not a commandment we're bound to, but it's a promise we're invited to enjoy. Love that. It's not a, don't make it a command. It's an invitation, and it's an invitation to rest. It's almost like I think of it in, in similar ways to the tithe. Um, the tithe was the Old Testament practice of giving a 10% of your income to, the, uh, not the church at the time, but the temple. But the tithe is giving 10% of your income. We are not commanded to tithe. Your pastor probably never told you that. Uh, if, you grew, if you grew up in a, oh gosh, I'm not going to mention any denominational names. If you grew up in certain churches, your pastor never told you. They actually told you the opposite. We are commanded to tithe because God said it in Malachi. Like, we're not commanded to tithe in the New Testament. We're just commanded to be generous. The tithe is not an obligation that we must meet, but it's an invitation to generosity. So uh, we're not commanded to tithe. I'm not under obligation to tithe, but I tithe. 
And I tithe because it helps me fulfill the larger principle of generosity. The tithe is a simple way for me to practice generosity. I'm not going to get all legalistic about if it's post-tax or pre-tax or 9% or 10%. I'm not going to worry about that. But it's just a tithe is a simple practice that God's given me that helps me learn how to be generous because I, I, I practice generosity when I practice the tithe. I think it's the same way with the Sabbath, although I don't practice the Sabbath as good as I practice the tithe. I mean, I think it's the same way that it's, you know, God wants me to rest and God has called me to rest. And the, the, I'm not obligation under obligation to the Sabbath, but it's a good way for me to fulfill the larger principle of rest. And so that's, that's what I'm encouraging you to do. And I, I'm about out of time because I, I had a bunch of these. I'm not going to go into them. Um, you just do this in your small groups, <laughs> okay? Uh, think about, because here's the problem. If I put tips on there and say, here's the way you observe the Sabbath, then I start to do exactly what I'm preaching against, which is I kind of turn it into a, an obligation or a list, or there's, something, there's a certain way we got to do it. There's no set way you got to do this thing. What you're being invited to do is, is to rest, and whatever that looks like for you. It may look like Sunday for you. You may say, you know what? You, do you remember, some of you are old enough to remember this. Do you remember when Sunday was a day of rest? <laughs> you know, I mean, you remember, it ain't anymore. But do you remember how most of the businesses were closed on Sunday? And there wasn't a whole lot you could do on Sundays. And, you know, even if they were open, they closed like 5 o'clock at night. There wasn't you know much you were going to do on Sunday night. And you remember when they didn't schedule any ball practices on Sunday? It not, they didn't schedule any ball games on Sunday. There wasn't a lot of events on Sunday. It was just this day. I mean, you just got up on Sunday, and you went to church, and you ate dinner with your family, and maybe you took a nap, and you just rest. I mean, you remember that? Who told us we got to stop doing that? We can recapture Sunday if we want to. That's, that's up to us. We don't, have to, we don't have to yield to the culture. That says more, more, more. Sunday's just another day for more. I mean, we, can, we could actually recapture Sunday and say, you know what? I'm going to take this as a day of rest. I'm going to sleep in. You guys don't sleep in because you come to the 930. The 11 o'clocks are saying right now, I'm going to sleep in on Sundays. I don't have to get up on Sunday mornings. I can have a lazy breakfast and come on in at 1115, even though church starts at 11. Don't tell, don't tell them I said that. Uh, but I can come on in and, you know, and have church. I can get... Or, you know, I'm going to go to dinner with my family. Or I'm not going to schedule anything Sunday afternoon. Sunday afternoons, 1 to 6, where that's, my time. that's our time as a family, and I'm not going to schedule anything. We could do that. We could, we could do that. It's a Sabbath. Or you may say, well, there's no way I can do that. I work on a Sunday. I do too. Okay? So I, I understand what you mean. I, there's no way I could do that. Well, Friday, Saturday, pick a, pick a day, pick a time. I just, there, a Sabbath is anything that we set apart in our schedule and time for rest and worship. I'm setting this apart for rest and worship. And I want to protect that time. And it's not, it's not something we routinely practice. And nothing in the culture is going to help you practice it. Nothing in the culture is going to encourage you to practice it. God's word encourages you to practice it. So a Sabbath is any time we set apart for rest and worship. And I, I'm just encouraging us. I'm preaching to myself right now. You guys are just getting to listen. I'm like talking to myself like... It's time you do this. You know it's important, and you talk about it, and you, you, every time you read a book about it, you're like, I need to do that. I need to do that. I need to do that. Well, it's time to do it. It's time to set aside some time for a Sabbath, to set aside time for some rest. And we'll be amazed, in my opinion, we'll be amazed at what that does for us. Um, 
I'll tell you this story real quick, and then I'll pray. Sunday, or Tuesday, we had staff meeting on Tuesday, and uh, Tim, we were talking about something, and we are like, well, what did everybody do over the weekend, all that kind of stuff, and well, Tim said, well, Sunday afternoon, I worked on the house all day. You know, we did a house remodel, and I worked on the house all day, and you're talking about rest, and I didn't rest on Sunday, and we was kind of joking about it, and I was like, you know what, for some people, that may be rest, because my job's not physical. I, I mean, I don't do physical labor in this job. My job's mental and emotional. So rest for me sometimes includes physical work. I mean, gardening or mowing or what I like that. Sometimes that's rest for me. And so it's, I mean, it's, it, my point was don't make it, don't make it legalistic. And don't make it like, here's the only way you can observe the Sabbath, and here's the only way you can rest, and here's the only day you can do it on, and all that kind of stuff. That's when we're stuck. But the Pharisees have already made all those mistakes for us. We don't have to repeat their mistakes. We just have to accept Jesus' invitation to rest. And that's what Jesus is inviting us to do, is to rest. So we ought to accept the invitation. Let me say a prayer for us, and we'll, we'll be dismissed. Next week, this, this prayer will serve as our dismissal. Next week is simplicity. So we're talking about simplifying, um, how to simplify our lives. And I'm dreading next week's sermon. But I do invite you to come back because um, I need it. And you need it too. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for your word. I'm thankful for the time that we can spend studying your word. And uh, thankful for the example of your son Jesus, that he not only observed the Sabbath, but he recentered it on what's most important. And um, may we do that as well in our lives. Uh, be with us and go with us as we leave this place. It's in the name of your son, Jesus. I pray these things. Amen. If you are encouraged by today's talk, feel free to share it with your friends. Please also consider rating and subscribing on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more, please visit us online at murrayhills.com.